Hey everybody, how's it going? Ben Gothard here with another Project Egg interview. And today we have a very special guest, Carlos Angel from Colombia. How are you doing today, man? Hey Ben, how's it going? Good, good. So let's jump right in and get started. My first question for you today, Carlos, is what is your story? What's my story? Well, um, I still think I'm kind of in the middle of it, but uh, I guess I have um uh, spend most of my adult life working in the business world and um have lately gravitated towards um digital marketing and how that impacts you know entrepreneurship and also um enterprise level projects so that's kind of where i'm at um I've been helping companies all around the world, so I, I've traveled a lot during the last decade. Uh, but now I'm based in Colombia, Medellin specifically, and I do mostly digital work, either my own projects or helping other people with their projects. So I, I'm based here, but I get to help people from a lot of places, so it's pretty cool. Absolutely. So, you know, maybe maybe you could, could start from the beginning of, um, where you grew up and, and kind of what, what sort of childhood you had and, and um, maybe start from there. Okay, you're on all the way back. <laughs> uh, yeah, my childhood was here in Medellin. Uh, it was a very, you know, with my family, I mean, we were three children. I was the eldest, so I had two younger sisters and so there was always people around my parents uh, they worked together they had they were entrepreneurs and they had their own business together so they spent most of their time together um, but working so I spent most of my time with my sisters basically uh, and so it was a normal childhood the only thing abnormal I, I would say is the fact that it was that it happened during the heyday of of Medellin's you know war against drug cartels, which was the 80s and early 90s. Uh, so it was kind of a crazy era that just kind of happened serendipis serendipitously, let's say that's a hard word, uh, in Medellin, you know, but it happened. So uh, we did have to deal with some of that stuff during our teenage years, which might have been abnormal, but other than that, pretty normal. Um, and when I was 18, I kind of started traveling until I was 30. And I came back to Medellin when I was 30, 31. So I spent all that time either starting in Australia, I did my undergrad in Australia, uh, or, you know, working in the U.S., Europe, traveling, etc. So, you know, I, I, I want to dig a little bit more into your past. Um, you said that you were the oldest of three. Um, and, and that your parents were both entrepreneurs. Can you talk about how that circumstance has come back? Like, like what did you learn from growing up in, in that sort of environment? What, what did you take away from that that is now coming back to reflect what you're doing um, now as an entrepreneur? Um, yeah, I think that's a good question. I think... Um, you know, from all the way back, my family has been entrepreneurs, so five generations at least. And in where I grew up in Colombia, it's a very entrepreneurial city because it's in the middle of the mountains, in the middle of the Andes. So 200 years ago, 
you had to be an entrepreneur to kind of make it all the way here from Spain or wherever and, and make your life, you know, um, with your own bare hands. And so people are very, you know, gritty. Uh, and my family specifically has been doing their own stuff for five generations, 150 years at least. So my father was an incarnation of that. Uh, but my grandfather, I also got to see before he died at least 15 years of his own entrepreneurship journey. And he was 75 and it was normal. So I grew up in a, in a household where entrepreneurship is the normal. And you're kind of weird if you choose to go a more traditional office uh, route. Well, in other households, it's weird to go in the, into, into entrepreneurship. So that's what I would take out of it. Absolutely. And, and so... You know, for, for people who did not grow up in that environment, like you said, it, it might be weird, if you will, or abnormal to jump into entrepreneurship, to take that leap and, and to really go out on your own. But what advice could you give to uh, budding entrepreneurs, if you will, who, who may be struggling to take that leap? Yeah, I think it's... Um it's just a matter of time, right? Uh, you just have to take that leap. It's uh, my advice would be: it's riskier not to. At the end of the day, if you don't, and if you try and live your life in the 21st century as people did in the 20th century, which is you know get a job and hunker down for 30 years and everything will work out, you're screwed. So that's more risky. Don't do that. So just take your time. You know, if you need to get a job and save up and learn, that's fine. But just know that at some point you're going to have to start constructing outside, you know, the, the safety of a group. And it can be big, small, you know, huge, whatever undertaking you do. But ultimately, you will have to undertake something in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I really like what you said about constructing because, you know, I think one of the uh, attributes, if you will, of a lot of entrepreneurs, at least a lot of the ones that I've spoken to, uh, has been that tendency to be a creator, to be a builder, to to put things together in, in different ways. Um, so, so you know, I'm really glad that you said that. But I want to dive back a little bit more. Um, you said that at 18 you started traveling, and you didn't stop traveling until age 30. Can you maybe take us through those years of of where you went, what you did, and, and really what you learned from that and, and how that has shaped you as a person. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said before, I grew up from zero to 18 in a very, uh, you know, in a, in a household which was strong. You know, I had both my parents, two of my sisters, my grandfathers, cousins, because families here are very, you know, they spend time together. Almost every weekend I spent with 25 members of my extended family in a big house that we have near uh, the city. So I went from that and, and at 18 when I started traveling, I kind of get, I, I got the taste of independence for the first time and just, you know, how big uh, the world is and how little you know about your true calling or creative expression. So that's what traveling did to me. It just kind of opened my eyes and, um, and I never went back. Like I could never stop traveling. So I started in Australia just because it was the farthest thing I could think of. And I ended up, you know, doing my undergrad there. So almost four years back and forth. 
and I ended up living most of them in Perth, which is the most isolated city in, in Australia. It's in Western Australia, and it's almost 32-hour flight for, um, from Medellin. Um, so that was a very cool experience, just how it feels to be isolated in the complete opposite of where you grew up, which is like constantly family around in a support network and system. And after that, I lived in another city in Colombia, Bogota, which is the capital, you know, a big metropolis, 50 million city, uh, you know, huge, huge city, very different from Medellin. But that's where I started my professional career. And then I went back to the U.S. Uh, I did actually my master's degree in the University of Chicago, which is a very, you know, traditional Ivy League sort of environment. Uh, typical U.S. city with the sports teams and you go to college football. So I lived that for two years. And I've also done a lot of backpacking, you know, almost a year and a half in Asia, uh, including India, Europe. So it's just been a whole lot of things. I've always rationalized those years, like my 20s, as being able to build by taking a lot of risk, you know, just taking risks, literally, and just finding a way to fit travel into that whole ordeal of building your career and, you know, your, your, your education and just, it's very hectic. Your twenties are very hectic because you have to do a lot of things. So that's kind of what I try to do. It was a very hectic for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, you were saying that at 18, you went to Australia to do your undergrad. Um, yeah. What did you study? And could you maybe give a little bit of insight into um, w- w- what you really learned in college? You know, because some some people go to college and they get really into their major or, or, or um, you know, really into their studies. And then other people go and they find a passion completely different. So so can you maybe just talk a little bit about your experiences in that time? Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I did. It was a very liberal arts type education uh, with a lot of philosophy, a lot of politics, a lot of international studies, economics, um, you know, ethnocultural studies, studies, history, Asian studies. So I, I spent a lot of time in my undergrad just reading about the human condition, you know, past, present, future, but just thinking a lot, a long time about that, which I didn't really do up until that point. You know, you don't really think about those sort of things during high school because, you know, I was a normal student at, at high school. I didn't spend any longer reading, you know, a textbook that I had to. I did other, other things. So during college, it was the first time I really spent a lot of time thinking about something, in this case, humans. And what I got is that I really enjoy spending a long time thinking about stuff. <laughs> so college was kind of when I felt my intellectual curiosity really spark up when I first went to Australia and start reading books about, you know, Buddhism and the war in the Middle East and all sorts of different topics from a very different perspective uh, as the one I grew up with. Absolutely. And and so, you know, you were saying that you, you kind of figured out that you really like taking a long time to think about stuff. Um, how How has that... Uh, trait of, of yourself that you discovered and and that desire to learn how has that carried forward to benefit you and 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 come back to help you out later on in your life and and 
Um, how has that led to your success? Um, yeah, I think that I've learned that you have you have to maintain, and it's also when you run a company, you have to have different trains of thought, so to speak, and at different speeds. Because if you're only thinking fast, then you know if you're a fighter fighter pilot, that's great, because <laughs> you're making second decisions that are you, you know your life is at stake. But at the other end, you have to run a company, you have to run your life, you have to you have to be thinking about you know, trends and stuff that might get in your way. So you do have to be more strategic than simply thinking, you know, what's going to happen 10 seconds in the next 10 seconds of my life. So that's where the balance comes in. And I think that you have to find a way to maintain like slow systems of thinking and fast systems of thinking and just use those to make decisions. So college was about finding my slow system, you know, really digging down into my emotions and, and my, you know, my reasoning and really bubbling a decision to the top after a lot of introspection, wow. you know, and, and then my professional life has been more about developing those fast decision-making systems that, you know, you sometimes have to make. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's really cool. Um, now, can, can you, the, the process you just described of, of really a lot of introspection, right? A lot of a lot of looking at who you are on the inside, and and you know, just wrestling with all that until you can come to that decision. Can you maybe give a little bit of insight on on how to how to get that process down? How to how to start, right? Because I feel like a lot of people struggle with that, and and a lot of people don't know who they are even after college. So so maybe you could just talk a little bit about that process. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. One, I would say that it's a constant battle. I mean, I still struggle with it every day. So I would say the first thing you need is just practice. You need to find your daily way of dealing with that and, you know, dig in deeper and really check yourself on a lot of assumptions and decisions you might have made. And, you know, one of the things uh, the things I really learned at my MBA after two years and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars spent in tuition is something that economists called uh, sunk costs fallacy. And it's just a mental thing that we sometimes suffer in the present for decisions that we made in the past. And entrepreneurship is a clear, you know, exhibit of that sometimes. We just stick to things that we shouldn't or make other types of very biased decisions. So, sorry, I lost my train of thought. That what, what was the question again, Ben? So, so that process of introspection. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So one thing, practice. Just like keep it up and just like really, really uh, dig into it. And after that, I do think that you can start to analyze your personality. And that is going to help you, you know, mm, make decisions that you know align with you basically and that's what you're looking for that alignment between your your you and and what you're actually doing and, and the decisions that you're making and bringing into your life so how do you analyze your personality well i found a couple of ways that i use and i think that are helpful both with me and with the team um, and one is something called archetypes which is uh, something that Jung, a psychologist, invented. And it's just a way for you to figure out what is your 
aspiration as a human being? Like, what is that construction after, you know, seeing movies and seeing your parents and just culture that you feel best encapsulates what a successful human being is? So, you know, you have the athlete, you have the intellectual, you have the adventurer, you have the, you know, the adrenaline junkie, the thrill seeker, it's called. So there's 18, 21, it doesn't really num matter the number. You just have to know what that archetype is for you or what your main archetypes are. For example, for me, the explorer or the nomad archetype is very strong. So I need to find a way to maintain a lifestyle and make decisions that allow me to work and build on that, not destroy it, which is what a lot of people do. They may have that archetype as developed as me and as constantly unsatisfied, <laughs> but they make decisions that go against it, so they're gonna suffer. So that's one, the archetype model is something that you can figure out. And then something called Meyer-Briggs, which is a typification of your personality into 16 types. And it just allows you to understand if you're an extrovert, an introvert, um, how you obtain information, how you process it, and what you actually do with that information in terms of judge it or perceive it. So stuff like that. You just have to be very constant about knowing yourself so that you can use entrepreneurship to build something that, uh, that is going to feel good and it's not going to feel like a weight or a, you know, so yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that was a great answer, by the way. Thank you for that. So, yeah. you know, you were talking about how you, you need to know your archetype because you need to know how, as an individual, you get information, you, you, um, you know, input information to your brain. So it, I have a two-part question for you. One is... Well, that's, the, that's more the, the second one, the Meyer Briggs. That's what Meyer Briggs describes. The archetype describes your cultural aspiration. You know, for example, some people might not be at all attracted to this whole concept of exploring and nomadism and just going from one place to the other and seeing the world. Some people are not attracted by it. They need other things. For example, the mother archetype needs that nourishment, needs a family. That's how they express creatively. I don't have that right now. So you just have to know what makes you really, really exciting. And, and, and go with that. Okay, okay. Um, and, and, you know, I, I definitely think that, that it is important to, to know both, right? Because, yeah. because the excitement, you know, if you can, if you can harness that and, and make that either your career or your life's goal, you know, it, it's working with it. It's not fighting it, um, you know, kind of yeah. how you were mentioning earlier. So exactly. with, the, uh, with the Myers-Briggs, with that, with that information intake, if you will, um, I, I do have a two-part question for you. Um, the first is, how important is it as an entrepreneur to constantly, constantly be learning? And two, what ways have you found um, are the best ways for you to get that information? You mentioned reading, but maybe there are some other ways you'd like to talk about. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, learning and development for an entrepreneur has to be part of the business model. It has to be baked into your lifestyle. So, I mean, for example, I don't do anything really until midday, like noon. And before that, I'm either, you know, doing 
physical type thing like yoga or just going to the gym or whatever, you know, sunbathing, whatever it is, walking or learning. And it might be, you know, two hours one and two hours the other. So that's four hours. And in most people's lifestyles, that's something that's ludicrous to spend two hours, you know, just relaxing your body and two hours just reading and learning and just, you know, it's insane for a lot of people. That That's really what, as an entrepreneur, you have earned. One, you have earned the privilege, if you do it right, to say, I am blocking like this amount of time and nothing can happen <laughs> within the boundaries of reality in that block of time. You know, that's a privilege. So use it. And two, you know, use some of that privilege to develop and really learn more things so you can keep it because it's by being a privilege and, and I've lived it, it sometimes gets takes, taken away. You make bad decisions, you, 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 you lose the, the hunger and the edge to really stay on top of your stuff. So I think the moment you lose that, you better have you know, your, your stuff figured out and stashed away because if not, you might be into a rude awakening. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, in, in that time that you do spend learning, um, what ways do you find work best for you? Like, like do you like reading? Do you like, um, do you like watching videos? Do you like listening to podcasts? What, what, what sort of works best for you? Yeah, I do a lot. Like, I do most of what you just mentioned. I find that my mind is very theoretical. So if somebody shows me something, you know, I kind of get it and can take it from there in my mind. Like I can start doing scenarios and just tweaking things in my mind. I don't actually need to do it to see the system, you know, function. Some people need to actually move the things and actually do it. So that's thing. That's, that's message number one, because message number two is that you need to find a craft. You need to find a craft because a craft is something that you're going to constantly and hopefully perpetually develop. And, you know, it's like that movie Jiro Dreams of Sushi, where this 80 year old is just making sushi and he just loves sushi and he's the best sushi guy because he, he's been making it for, you know, 50 years. So you need to find that and you need to practice that every day. And it has to be very specific because if not, you're not going to be able to know what you need to get better at. So the way I describe it is like, think of a T. You need that bar, horizontal bar, which is your athlete profile. You need to be good at most things. Like when you played sports, you need to be able to run and jump and just do most things well. It's the same with your career as an entrepreneur. You need to be able to understand accounting and marketing and a bunch of things. But then you kind of need to find your depth, like that vertical line. Like where are you really going to drill down? So for me, it has been digital marketing. And I feel that it's it goes very well with an entrepreneur because if you get enough sales and enough profit, then you can pay other people to handle the other things. So that's been my experience. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I want to I want to touch on the on the digital marketing um, a, a little bit later on in the in the interview, but but for now, I, I still want to keep going on this on this timeline um, of, of your life. So you went 
to Australia for undergrad, and then you said you went to Chicago for two years for your yeah. um, your MBA, I believe it was. Um, the MBA. Could, so could you could you talk a little bit about uh, your experiences in that time, and and again what you learned and, and what you really took away from that. Yeah, I mean, before what happened before those two events was that I went back to Colombia and I started working uh, like my first real job, so to speak, was in Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez is one of the most famous brands of Colombia. It's kind of like the Starbucks of Colombia and it represents uh, the Colombian coffee growers. It's a brand that it's structured in a way where it's owned by thousands of coffee growers. So it's not like, a, it's a co-op, so to speak. And they have this big marketing, uh, or this big brand, but then they needed to build a big marketing department to kind of monetize it. So that's where I came in. I was like 23, 24, and I was you know, hired to figure out the digital strategy in the US. And this was like back in 2006, where you know things were not that clear. So it, it was very interesting. And I, I did that for two years and it was, uh, you know, it was amazing because I got to go to all these coffee farms here in Colombia and just learn about that very incredible business model that they have. And then 